0: Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad free on Amazon Music. Download the app today.
1: Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, "What's your secret?" Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only fourteen ninety-five. Bite Clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door.
3: This is Ion Veterans Weekend, a roundup of the week's most important stories affecting those who served. Presented by University of Maryland Global Campus.
1: There are nearly 20 million million military military veterans veterans in in the the U.S. US.
0: Each week, we focus on their stories.
1: Powered by ConnectingVets.com,
0: this this is CBS Ion Ion Veterans. Ion Veterans. Welcome to another edition of CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs. This hour, we'll meet a Marine Corps combat veteran who's an up-and-coming country star. Hello. What's your name? My name's Sal Gonzalez. Hi, Sal. Where are you from? Um, I live in Nashville, Tennessee, but I'm originally from Los Angeles, California. But his road to success started with a Halloween nightmare.
3: And uh, when we went around it, it went kaboom. And when I move to my left leg, gets bent at the
0: shin. We'll also hear about a group of veterans that have good reason to be angry about this year's election process.
4: We've had some of our own leadership who will roll up to a polling place and look at the stairs. And is like, how am I supposed to get in there and go vote?
0: And should you quit your job and start the business you've always dreamed of? We'll find out more about the upcoming National Veterans Small Business Week from the SBA and a vet who's living her dream.
1: We started with two hot sauces. So we got two hot sauces in the store, and then it kind of just expanded from there.
0: That's all ahead this hour. Now it's Halloween weekend, a night of spooky fun, ghouls, and ghosts. But for Marine Corps veteran Sal Gonzalez... It's always been one of his favorite holidays, although it's hard to imagine why, considering it's the anniversary of the day he almost died. I recently spoke with Sal about his life, his nightmare, and how he conquered his demons with the help of Wounded Warrior Project. Sal, how the hell are you?
3: (laughs) Doing good. How are you, brother man?
0: Good, man. Really good. And uh, excited to unpack your story because, uh, you know, as I was reading here on you, Man, you're a musician. You have made national television appearances that brought, you know, women to tears and men to envy on America's Got Talent.
2: It was like, hmm, I want to hear some more of that. Heidi. your singing I think is beautiful. You
3: sing with a lot of feelings and a lot of passion. And I love your smile.
4: A young guy like yourself uh, to sacrifice his leg, to give to his country, uh, how can you not be moved by that?
0: You even uh, you even know Keith
3: Urban, brother. That's cool. Look, man, I, I I've got to play with Keith Urban. That's 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 <laughs> I was saying I know him is going a step far.
0: <laughs> that's the difference between a Navy veteran and a Marine veteran. You guys probably tell it like it is. Me, I think of sea stories every chance I get.
3: The story went from me jumping up on stage with him to me like ending the show. And with a standing ovation, always. <laughs> you always got to embellish the story at the end. But oh, I'm not going to say he's my friend and lie. <laughs> All right.
0: Let's start. Let's start with Sal Gonzalez. Before we get to the Wounded Warrior Project and that chapter of your life, before we talk about Ramadi, um, share with me a little about about where you come from.
3: I'm from East Los Angeles, California, originally. I was uh, born and raised in East L.A., and uh, I love my childhood. You know, my, my my mom was a waitress growing up and a single mother, and my dad was a former musician who instilled the love for music in me and all that stuff. But it was really the only good thing he taught me. <laughs> and uh, it was it was a it was a great upbringing. It was a, it definitely prepared me for getting shot at. Growing up in the '90s was a, a rough time in in the history of East Los Angeles, but you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world.
0: Now, like so many combat veterans from Sal's generation, his inspiration came from 9-11, and he joined the Marine Corps right out of high school. Not long after standing on the famed Yellow Footprints and becoming a Marine, Sal found himself in Iraq. Let's talk about that day you'll never forget. Um, First, I see you were with 2nd Battalion, 5th Marines. Um, What company were you with?
3: I was with Weapons Company 2-5. Okay,
0: okay. Uh, Because a buddy of mine wrote the book Echo in Ramadi and uh, Major Scott Husing uh, was the leader of Echo Company for the 2nd Battalion, 5th Marines. And Ramadi will go down in history as one of the fiercest places the U.S. military has ever fought. Um, you say it in the same breath as towns like Fallujah and Mosul. and uh, Absolutely. And I want to say, what year were you there?
3: I was there 2004. It was before the surge. My unit, 2-5, was, was in Ramadi tw- uh, several times. Uh, they were there back in or in 2004 when I was injured, and then again in 2006, the the Navy SEALs and uh, my buddy Spanky and a bunch of other people were out there house-to-house house doing different stuff. Because when I was there, we were just basically patrolling the streets and trying not to get blown up. But uh, in 2006, that that's when the... The brass and the higher-ups decided that we needed to take the city, and we the way we did that was by putting small outposts, outposts along that city and uh, have Marines live there. And that's what they did in 06.
0: His book kind of chronicles that, but it chronicles the bravery and the valor that all you guys have. At the time, you're there. You know, you're doing patrols, and we're not even trying to lock the city down. We're just trying to look around every corner and make sure we don't see bad guys, which makes us a target for bad guys. Share with me a little bit about the days and the hours leading up to your injury.
3: Basically, we've been there for two months. Uh, I would rotated off of on and off of guard duty a couple times. I've been shot at a couple times. Uh, I've been blown up six different times before the last one got me the seventh one. And, I mean, it's combat, man. It's, it's you go in and it, it's a lot of boring sitting around with your buddies talking smack and then time to go to work and let's try not to get blown up and then hope everybody gets home safe. It's uh, some of the best times and some of the worst times of my life. I remember very specifically wanting to make Halloween special for my dudes, like just, just. Do something stupid, right? Like, take some cigarette ashes, make myself a cat, and just act like an ass around my buddy uh, to make everybody laugh. That's awesome. Plus, Halloween's my favorite holiday. I grew up, like, the first eight years of my life, I was Jehovah's Witness, so I didn't get birthdays, I didn't get Halloween, I didn't get Christmases, none of that So, <laughs> we went out October 31st of 2004, we went out that morning uh, to go drop off some beans, bullets, and, bands, and band-aids, it's just, you know, supplies to our other Marines on, a, on the furthest out base. And so we uh, drove all the way there. We caught some enemy fire on the way there, just a small, small arms, you know, pop shots, people poking their guns out of, you know, over a, a wall, shooting, and then running off. And so we took off, we pushed all the way through that, got to the base, dropped off all our stuff. I gave one of my buddies an exploding cigarette, and we took off, and on the way out, gate, there's uh, about 100 yards outside the base, there's a little roundabout. And uh, we went around that roundabout. It was literally my favorite part of the city. Like, full of flowers and all sorts of craziness. It was Hmm. the only real, like, spot of beauty in the city. And uh, when we went around it, it went kaboom. And uh, I woke up inside the Humvee with smoke and stuff all around me. I reached out and tried to grab a hold of the turret because, you know, what the bad guys were doing was they would dispel a vehicle and then attack to try and create more casualties as we were trying to get our wounded out. So I tried to get back up on my gun to start laying down some cover fire, and when I moved my left leg, get bent at the shin,
4: mm.
3: and uh, I was like, well, this is going to be a bad day. So I did what Marines do best, and that's let the Navy take care of them. Yeah, man. Doc came in. Doc is a Filipino American. He spoke a lot like my mother, very broken English, but the Mexicans could understand him, which is all that mattered. <laughs> and then, uh... <laughs> no man, he uh, he was a great dude. He was awesome. He is awesome. He 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 saved my life that day. He's a good dude. Yeah. They put me on a medevac Humvee, took me to a field hospital. Where they worked on me and most of this I'm unconscious for most of this is like told after told to me afterwards
0: That had to be wild when you first came to and we're like, holy cow. This is it. Um,
3: Yeah Well, number one, I'm back home surrounded by my parents and stuff, right? So I think I'm still in Iraq and I'm telling my mom and my dad and my siblings, like, what the heck are you guys doing in a combat zone? Where, how, how do you even get in here? Where's my <laughs> rifle? Like, I'm what down a, on
0: them. What a trip. <laughs> and we'll be back with more of Sal's incredible ride when CBS Ion Veterans returns. Welcome back to CBS Ion Veterans. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. We'll return to our conversation with Marine Corps combat vet and rising country music star Sal Gonzalez. This weekend may be Halloween, but it's also the anniversary of the day his unit was struck in Ramadi, Iraq. The blast cost him his leg, and we'll pick back up with the part of the interview where he describes his recovery. Uh, Did you have an above the knee or below the knee?
3: Below the knee. Uh, I was really lucky to be able to retain my knee. My, My knee was untouched. Uh, I have shrapnel wounds all the way up to my hips, and the brunt of it took me right at, in midway up the shin, so it broke the tibia and the fibula, just liquefied like an inch and a half of bone, nerves, all sorts of stuff. Trashed. Yeah. But my knee, untouched. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing, so I was just crazy. really lucky, I guess.
0: Now, let me ask, do you Marines call that a paper cut because it's a below the knee? Is that... Is that like a common thing? Uh, it?
3: It's not a specific thing. Marines. It is a uh, thing with amputee veterans, period. <laughs> it's so dark. Yeah. I'm, I'm what's called uh, uh, a paper cut or a rock star because <laughs> I'm the one they want in the picture. <laughs>
0: And what I want to say to everybody that listens to this is to know that, like, this kind of dark humor, this is exactly what you get. Like, we don't have to feel sorry for Sal here. Don't even, like, you know, don't tear up. I mean, this sort of <laughs> making fun yeah, of your injury no, this, is this what is,
3: we do. Look, I made a decision a very long time ago that I wasn't going to be upset about losing a leg, regardless of it. What anybody said or what anybody did, like it's, it doesn't matter. There's not a joke you can tell that's going to offend me. Period. Yeah, yeah. I'm out here wearing shorts, t- you know, wearing one flip flop and one Chuck Taylor, just having a good old time because I don't care. It's a good time. Let's have fun. Make fun of it. Let's do it. I'm a one-legged man in ass contest, and I'm halfway decent at it, baby. <laughs> I'm a blue belt Let's make it happen. Happen.
0: Now, Sal's attitude is not uncommon among combat vets. And for many of our wounded brothers and sisters, the attitude starts with a small gesture, made while they're still in the hospital.
3: Well, my very first experience was, uh, I think it was like three days after I came out of my coma. It's still a really hazy memory, but I, my buddy RJ, who I'm still friends with to this day, (laughs) came into my room with wearing a Wonder Warrior Project uh, polo shirt, and he had a backpack, and he goes, here, on behalf of a grateful nation, this is for you. And it was full of comfort items. is what they called them is like a a CD player back when they still had them and they still made those, um, you know, shorts that I could call my own a t-shirt that I could call mine. Most people don't understand when you get wounded in combat, they cut every piece of property off of your body so that they can clean you so that you don't get any weird infections. Um, that means you wake up in a sterile hospital room with nothing to call your own.
4: Yeah.
3: And having a backpack that I could say to the nurse, Hey nurse, can you hand me my backpack? Can you hand me my t-shirt? Can you hand me my sock? Cause I only need the one. <laughs> uh, they last me twice as long. Some of the bright sides of losing a leg, dude, you'll never even understand. I never have to do, like, my sock laundry if one gets lost. Who cares? Who cares? I only wear them one at a time. But that backpack meant an awful lot to me. Hmm. And uh, before we started before we started the interview, we talked a little bit about my anxiety and crowds and stuff like that. I actively don't go to things unless it's, like, me playing music because that's what I, 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 what I love to do and what I have to do. Um, but, um, as far as like being invited out to places, I don't, uh, unless I know you real well, man, you're not going to get me out. <laughs> so when Wounded Warrior Project came calling again, saying, Hey man, do you want to go on this trip? Do you want to go do this? Do you, we have all these different programs that you, where you can learn adaptive sports now that you're missing a leg? Uh, I was more than happy to jump on top of it because I knew these people, these people had, had. Been a major part of my recovery, just with this little gesture of a backpack.
0: So cool! And what I love about Project Odyssey they, that that is what you're kind of mentioning here uh, is they Absolutely. do the is they do the adaptive sports. There's rock climbing, there's skiing, there's snowboarding, there's the clinics, there's all kinds of cool things. But what a lot of folks don't understand is that yeah, it is an opportunity to get out and go hang with your brothers and sisters when you're with a bunch of warriors. That's all okay. We don't got to talk about that because guess what paper cut. I got one, too um, Let's talk exactly. about trying to ride this mountain. Let's talk about trying to climb this rock
3: Yeah, yeah, there's no feeling sorry for yourself. There's there's none of that it, It's it's the, some of the most beautiful times in my life were, were had when I learned how to rock climb after I lost a leg when I learned how to Whitewater raft after I lost a leg. I mean I made friendships with some of those warriors that I I still talk to him. We hang out every chance we get.
0: All right, so fast forward to more recent years, and not surprisingly, Sal goes on to become a spokesperson for Wounded Warrior Project. And he also continues to sharpen his musical talent. And that would open the door to his appearance on America's Got Talent. Wounded Warrior is raising awareness of uh, uh, people who served who got wounded. Yes, and you wounded. So you volunteered for them, or uh, I was wounded back in two thousand and four. You served? Yes, sir. Well, I was in the Marine Corps.
4: Oh wow!
5: Uh,
0: I do a good job at hiding it. Oh my gosh! What what happened? I was uh, I was a machine gunner. In Iraq, in a little town called Arumadi, and I got blown up. What was that like, man? Were you just super stoked, and did you know that women in the
3: crowd were, like, swooning over you? Uh, no. So the way they make that, with any performance, what you want is no lights in the actual theater with spotlights on you, so you're the center of attention. But in this case, not only was I lit and being blinded by lights, but on top of that, I had... Howie Mandel and Howard Stern and Heidi Klum and Mel B sitting in front of me, just you know, casually two of the most beautiful women that have ever walked the earth, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, and then on top of that, you know, Howard Stern, the biggest radio horse, biggest radio personality that's ever been, host, uh, super talented dude. Howie Mandel being sitting in the corner, being super awkward, but <laughs> he was great. They were all great. I. I you know, most of that whole first performance was me trying not to lose my mind.
1: You no know sunshine she's gone.
0: This house should stay no home. Any time she goes away. Any time she goes away. Any time she goes away. You. you can really
4: sing. Your tone on
2: your voice, your graspiness and raspiness, it was like, mmm, I want to hear some more of that. Heidi? Your singing, I think, is beautiful. You sing with a
3: lot of feelings and a lot of passion. And I love your smile. I thought you were great. Thank you.
0: Dude, how, like, I mean, it? I don't even care what your reply would have been. That must have just been a crazy-ass moment to have one of the hottest women in the world say, I like your
3: smile. <laughs> I know, I wish you'd have taken me on a date, but, you know, it is what it is.
0: That was a couple seasons ago, and this year he dropped an incredible six-song EP, which you can find everywhere you get music. The album's title is a tribute to all of his fellow combat vets, Heroes.
3: It won't be over. On the on
0: the and I gotta admit I was blown away when I heard shades of Ramadi reflected in the country rocker Shadow of Death.
3: Hanging we're on. thank you so much but uh, look i talk about a very small portion of what wonder warrior project actually does it's from physical health and wellness getting back in shape to dealing with the va and if you're a veteran you know exactly what kind of hurdles can come with trying to get a va appointment without wonder warrior project i i really honestly don't know where i would be right on man don't forget sal
0: gonzalez find the album heroes everywhere you get music and uh, just a damn pleasure getting to know you brother
3: you to the shadow of death.
0: And I'm just thankful that, like, we went this entire interview, and I didn't get one comment about how you were the men's department and I was the Navy. So, uh, way to go, brother! I
1: appreciate
3: that. I got you. Listen, I already told the one, the one-legged uh, man-in-asking-contact joke. That's as cliche as I get. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The veteran stories we hear make us proud to be Americans.
3: As soon as I turned 18, I went into the local recruiter's office and signed up.
0: But the stories we don't reflect the wounds that Wounded Warrior Project is there to heal.
3: But it was literally my favorite part of the city. When we went around it, it went kaboom. And when I moved my left leg get bent at the shin, I was like, well, this is going to be a bad day.
0: Now, more than ever, we need to help each other. And with only a $50 donation, you can help get One Warrior the mental health services that heal the mind, body, and soul.
3: When Wounded Warrior Project came calling again, saying, Hey man, do you want to go on this trip? Do you want to go do this? Do we have all these different programs where you can learn adaptive sports? I was more than happy to jump on top of it because I knew these people.
0: That's the power of just a $50 donation to Wounded Warrior Project.
3: Without Wounded Warrior Project, I, I really honestly don't know where I would be. So
0: give what you can today at DonateToWarriors.org. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm former Navy journalist and reporter for ConnectingVets.com, Phil Briggs. Now, as we approach another monumental presidential election, many are concerned about voter fraud. We've all heard stories about the concern over lost ballots ending up in a river, the post office being unable to handle the sudden swell of mail-in ballots, many of which have already been mailed just fine, and the voter suppression at polling places by armed groups who make people scared to vote. But when it comes to veterans being able to vote, there's one group who has a legitimate gripe with how elections are handled, and that's paralyzed Veterans of America. I recently had the pleasure of talking with PVA Executive Director, Mr. Carl Blake.
4: Voting is one of the most fundamental rights that any American has, and nobody understands that more than our members who are veterans. Um, and yet, many of them have experienced real physical barriers to voting. Um, there there are just challenges out there. There's, this, there's even this population of people out there that believe that that's not true, but it is absolutely true. We've had some of our own leadership who will roll up to a polling place and look at the stairs, and it's like, how am I supposed to get in there and go vote? Um, and, you know, unfortunately, loca- all locations and, and states are different, and so there's no unified plan for how to deal with that. So we've put a lot of energy around voting, so much about the election uh, at the forefront right now that that, that is something we've prioritized for, for right now.
0: With respect to making it accessible, um, are you able to make changes at voting locations? Are you able to work with certain regions and cities in the country to make sure that they know that these things need to be handicap accessible?
4: Yeah, so I think at where, where they've run into those situations, it's really taken some individual initiative and some of our, our local chapter folks that have gotten involved with their localities uh, where they ran into... Typically, what our members have experienced in terms of terms of voting challenges are literally physical barriers to access. And so, in those locations where those things happen, they they rally as a group and and work with localities because you know m- much of much of voting is managed at that level. Not to bring up something that gets you know controversial, but you know many of our members have long participated in mail in voting for the same reason because it's it's convenient, it's easy. Um, as far as we're concerned, it's a trusted way to, uh, to vote. It comes up more frequently than people would like to believe. You would think, I, I, let me put it this way, if it wasn't an issue, we probably wouldn't be having a, a, a nationwide campaign on it. And yet, it's almost necessary to, to mention this across the entire country because it happens all over the place.
0: Mm. All the more reason I'm glad to hear you're there, ready to crack the whip. You know what, since we're the weekend before the election... Can I ask, does PVA have a position on which candidate for president uh, serves the needs of your membership better?
4: Well, as a 501c3 nonprofit organization, we don't really pass judgment on the political, the partisan politics. What I will tell you is that PVA, along with some of our partners in the VSO community, reached out to both campaigns uh, back in the summertime and in partnership with Military Times. I believe a week or two ago, we uh, published publicly from that that collective group of VSOs um, a long sort of candidate interaction with both the the Biden uh, campaign and the Trump campaign that lays out all the major issues from, I believe there were 12 veterans organizations.
0: What was the question specifically that PVA posed to both candidates?
4: So, uh, you know, our mission is focused on veterans with catastrophic disabilities, particularly spinal cord injury and disease. And our members are kind of held in this unique position within the VA because the system that the VA built serves them so uniquely. Um, And the vast majority of our members rely upon VA. So our focus was on what they will do to ensure, especially as there's more discussion about uh, community care and things like that, what they will do to ensure that our members are able to get the the specialized health care services they need. And an extension of that is our members are also very reliant on long-term care services, which is you know, sort of a hot-button issue in the healthcare industry. And so our, our question sort of dovetails into um, how they would propose to deal with uh, long-term care issues that veterans with catastrophic disabilities face uh, throughout the course of their life.
0: Now, of course, I don't want to get you into a position to give your opinion on who answered the question better or worse. But uh, what were your takeaways from each of the candidates?
4: Really, they just sort of reiterate their continued support to provide whatever service is necessary, which is a nice way of saying, you know, we're going to make sure that your needs are taken care of. But we still have to stand guard at the gate to make sure that, uh, you know, those services aren't undermined by any other decisions that are made within VA.
0: So I suppose it's safe to say that uh, when you're, you know, in charge of leading the PVA, uh, you can trust, but then verify, right? I mean, you can, that's
4: a good way to put it. I mean, you know, we've, we've been around, it turns out that next year is our 75th anniversary. So we've been around this block a little while and we've seen all manner of politics and all manner of issues. And at the end of the day, I don't care about politics and we don't care about politics. We care about ensuring our members needs are met uh, because to be a member of our organization, you have to have a spinal cord injury or disease which is a pretty catastrophic price to pay for, you know, earned benefits healthcare services.
0: Right on. And again, I could say this countless times throughout our interview together, but uh, I'm just glad that you are there to lead the way and to make sure that uh, those needs are always addressed. You're also there to help support PVA members uh, in other capacities. Tell me a little bit about that.
4: One of the other things that that we have been significantly focused on as a consequence of the pandemic is employment. PVA has a very unique employment program that we started about 10 years ago now, and it has never been more important uh, than it is right now. We talked earlier about people worried about their homes, having the food they need and the resources. Well, hand in hand with that is having a job. Um, And so we've put a lot of energy into making sure that those services are delivered. Is
0: there a silver lining to the fact that COVID has so many of us working remotely are there more opportunities than there were before?
4: You know, I don't know if that question has been fully answered yet, but one of the things that we know about through our program and the support they've provided over the years is our counselors have always sort of looked at that as an advantage when, when those opportunities are out there. And this might actually just expand that opportunity.
0: Right on. And I think I speak for both of us when I say I certainly hope so. Carl Blake of Paralyzed Veterans of America, I can't thank you enough for your time in this discussion and uh, just wishing the best for you as we move into 2021 and what is hopefully a better year for all of us.
4: I appreciate that very much, Bill. Thank you.
0: One employer who not only hires vets, but also strongly supports the Paralyzed Veterans of America is a grocery store chain with locations from the Mid-Atlantic to the Northeast. Wise Markets. They're currently getting an early start on Veterans Day by raising money at the checkout registers for PVA. I spoke with Ron Bonacci about how Wise Markets has raised over half a million dollars over the last four years.
2: Jonathan Wise's grandfather started it and he was in the military and then uh, and that heritage has continued through and if you if you see any of our tractor trailer trucks that go down the highway it's as proudly an American company because we continue that legacy of supporting the military and the veterans so we we actually do uh you know for this time time of year um leading into Veterans Day, we have a collection at our, our registers where our customers can give a donation of $1, $3, $5, $10, or they can just round up. And all that money goes, uh, we make a check presentation to support the veterans to the PBA because they turn no veteran away and they're just uh, that caring nature to, to give those people back some some semblance of life. We've given over a half million dollars in the last couple of years. And this year, um, we are on record pace to uh, donate money to to the paralyzed veterans again this year. And so many of our associates in our company are veterans. We actively look and support them, we hire them, and we care about those that uh, gave and served. And even
0: more than just a donation drive for the PVA, Wise Markets does something else for veterans.
2: And every Thursday, we give veterans a 10% discount uh, in our stores for all of our private label items, which is over 7,000 items. So uh, we care about them, we wanna make sure that uh, they have uh, best care that they can get, and we want to feed them in the best fashion we can.
0: Now stick around and we'll talk about National Veterans Small Business Week. We'll get advice for starting your own business, hear about some resources, and we'll meet a veteran who took a leap of faith herself and went from the medical field to becoming the CEO of Sauce. So
1: we got two hot sauces in the store, and then it kind of just expanded from there. So something that was meant to be... A part-time thing for us ended up to be full-time and something that we're really passionate about.
0: That's ahead when CBS Eye on Veterans returns. Welcome back to CBS Ion Veterans. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Now, next week marks a very important week for any veteran that has the itch to start their own business, as it is the National Veterans Small Business Week. And when it comes to starting your own business, one of the greatest resources we have is the U.S. Small Business Administration. And here to tell us what we can expect to get next week is Larry Stubblefield. Larry, thanks for joining me this morning.
5: Thank you, Phil, for having me with- on your
0: show again. Did I forget Colonel Larry Stubblefield? Did I, did I get that right? Is it Colonel?
5: Colonel uh, retired, yes. So. All
0: yeah. right. God's finest army,
5: correct? God's finest army. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. <laughs> All right, man. Well, as we talked last time, you know I'm a big fan. You and I both have like the entrepreneurial itch. And as we look ahead to National Veterans Small Business Week next week, I know that the Small Business Administration, uh, the government has done some great things and continues to do some good things to get to get us off the bench and in the game and start doing some things with our own business. Um, Before we look at what you're offering next week, let's chat real quick. Tell me a little bit about what you've already been able to achieve virtually. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but uh, you guys have already doled out a lot of funds and and helped a lot of businesses.
5: You know, we since the pandemic at SBA, we've had to go into a virtual environment. And at the same time, you know, uh, back in March, the president signed the CARES Act. And then the CARES Act has established the uh, Paycheck Protection Program. in a virtual environment, we have managed – to uh, provide 5.2 million loans for $525 billion. And according to Department of Treasury, the PPP program has saved uh, or supported more than 51 million jobs. And again, you know, we're very very proud of the fact that you know, we were able to pivot and use technology in a way to be able to do this virtually. And in my office, uh, in the Office of Veterans Business Development, you know our um, flagship program, if you will, is the Boots to Business program, and Boots to Business is part of the Department of Defense's Transition Assistance Program. And I'm here to tell you that for the first time ever, you know we've uh, you know we have a goal of 18,000 attendees per year, and this year, um, with the pandemic, you know we've gone over 21,000 attendees to our Boost to Business program.
0: It just goes to show that there are so many of us that are ready to adapt and change. And I think the greatest thing that will come from this pandemic in 2020 is that in 2021 we're going to see a lot of people that just decided to get off the sidelines and pull the trigger on that dream. Go start that business they've always wanted to. Let's chat about National Veterans Small Business Week and some of the offerings that you have I'm looking at the calendar here, and it appears there's webinars and seminars, uh, everything from transition assistance to training to government contracting. Share with me a little bit about what entrepreneurial training is available on Tuesday, November 3rd.
5: You know, this is our our seventh uh, annual National Veteran Small Business Week. It's going to take place, as you said, Phil, next week from the 2nd the, uh, to the 6th of November. Uh, every day of the week there will be a theme, the first uh day of the week we're going to talk about transition assistance. On the third, that's when we're going to talk about entrepreneurial training. The fourth of November, government contracting, the fifth, disaster assistance. And on the sixth, access to capital. So in terms of entrepreneurial training, what what we aim to do with National Veterans Small Business Week, first of all, is twofold. We want we want to raise community awareness and support for veteran business owners. And we also want to talk about for those business owners, uh, make them aware of available resources to support their businesses, and especially now that we're in COVID-19. So on the 3rd of November for entrepreneurial training, you know, we're just going to focus on um, training in the resources that are available in the local communities around the country for those small business owners. Um, you know, we have about 15,000 business advisors in 1,200 locations around the country. And so we're talking about our SCORE chapters, our Veterans Business Outreach Centers, our Women Business Centers, and our Small Business Development Centers, who are all, you know, you know on point each and every day with, uh, you know, entrepreneurial training, uh, opportunities, and so forth to support the uh, small business community.
0: And we'll wrap it up here and just say that from my experience, from my own personal research with the SBA, you guys are really a godsend to people trying to get their business established and are going through the banking route. Explain to me how the SBA gets involved with your business plan. And once you've built a solid business plan as an entrepreneur, how does the SBA relationship provide an advantage when you go to secure a bank loan?
5: You know, we're here to help the small business community at every step of their entrepreneurial journey. Come to the SBA first before you go out and you know take a stab at this alone. So say, for example, if you're a transitioning service member and you go through our Boots to Business program and then you're interested in business, we'll make a referral out of, uh, out of that class. We'll make a referral either to a veteran business outreach center or maybe a small business development center they'll sit down and help you with that business plan because you're going to need a solid business plan to, uh, is, um, when you attempt to uh, secure uh, funding for your business. You know, business plan, you know, we're looking at, you know, how are you going to market your business? You know, what, uh, what's going to be the management for your business? You know, um, what funding do you need for your business? Well, all the, your business planning and the related documents are all the type of things you're going to need when you go to secure funding for your business. And then the SBA, in our case, you know, we have preferred lenders who who work, you know, SBA lending programs. So, you know, once we help you establish your, your business plan, you know, cash flow, you know, we'll refer you to one of our uh, lenders, and then even after you've, you've secured funding for, the, for your business, you can still turn back to us at any stage of your entrepreneurial journey for business advice, you know, support and things of that nature. We help small businesses expand, grow, if they want to go into, you know, um, into other fields and things of that nature, you know, SBA is here for you every, at every step of your entrepreneurial journey.
0: And, you know, they're on the veteran side and they love veterans because, well, Colonel Larry Stubblefield, you are one as well. So thank you very much. SBA.gov. Great place to start. Larry Stubblefield, thank you very much for being on the show.
5: Thank you, Phil, for having me.
0: All right, our next guest has gone on to become the master of her own destiny, the CEO of Savannah Sauce Company, and an Army veteran, Tracy Richburn. Welcome to the show, Tracy. Thank you for having me. You know, as we just heard about all the things going on next week, National Veterans Small Business Week, um, I know there's so many of us that are on the fence about, you know, should we start our own business and how do we do it? Sure. First, tell me about where you come from, because we're kindred spirits here. Uh, You're a veteran also. Share with me a little bit about your time in service.
1: Well, I, I joined the Army in 2001. At that time, I was 30 years old, so everybody kind of thought I was crazy. So it was before September 11th, and um, it was about June when I first signed in. And um, I joined the Army, and I was a medical laboratory specialist, so I worked in the hospital, which is kind of what I was doing as, like, a medical assistant. So I I I came from a medical background, so I did that in the Army, and when I got out of the Army in 2006, I went to work at a hospital in the local area.
0: And at no point does any of this sound like you will go on to become <laughs> the CEO of a growing and expansive sauce company. So um, no, what not was, at all. What was it that made that happen?
1: So me and my then fiance, now my husband, we were on vacation um, in a local area, and there were some vendors, and you know one of the vendors had some sauce. So we tried their sauces and it was pretty good. And as we were, you know, checking out, we noticed that they had distributorships available. I was like, you know, that's something that, you know, we could do to pass the time, you know, because we were initially intending to do a medical testing franchise using my medical background. So, you know, we got their sauce and we were selling it and distributing it. And then we noticed that there was some issues with their quality. And we were like, we can't have this, you know, we don't want this negatively negatively impact our name and us just starting in this business so at that time you know we were well we had some of their sauces in Whole Foods so we told Whole Foods you need to pull this sauce and if you give us a chance to replace it you know we would be (laughs) grateful (laughs) so you know they gave us the chance to come up with something to replace it and that's how we started with two hot sauces. So we got two hot sauces in the store and then it kind of just expanded from there. So something that was meant to be a part-time thing for us ended up to be full-time and something that we were really passionate about
0: but it's no accident that you had the entrepreneurial itch, as you described there, that so many of yes. us do when we get out of the military, because whether it's your MOS oh, yes. doesn't translate or whether it's just you yes. want to do something different and new, but you don't see the job opportunity right there for you. Sometimes you oh, make yeah. your oh, own yeah. and that's tremendous, but it requires a little bit of training. And that's where you come to me from our friends at Institute for Veterans, Military and Families at Syracuse University. Yes. Share with me a little yes. bit about what your Training with their boot camp for veterans did for you.
1: Oh wow! It was it's a great program, and it was nine intensive days of just learning about how to begin and how to sustain and how to grow a business. Um, from morning to evening, we had business classes in just about anything that you could think of, whether it was speakers motivation, mentors, just anyone that you can think of that we had the opportunity to have contact with to get this information. Such valuable information that, you know, even though we were only there for nine days, it, I'm still taking advantage of that information and the training and the mentorship that I was, you know, connected with. It's just, it's just an awesome program. Awesome.
0: Mm and again that's entrepreneurship boot camp for veterans and it's an immersive yeah. nine-day program where you actually go to syracuse university and you stay up there right yeah all right Correct. well it sounds like you parlayed all that the right way the education the training the entrepreneurial spirit savannah sauce companies in full effect right now and in fact with oh, me yeah. the growth
1: of We're we're in Whole Foods, um, currently in Tennessee, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. Um, We've been working on expansion in different parts of the country, Um, so you could just keep an eye out for us. (laughs) We're, We're working. We're working to get in every Whole Foods around the country.
0: Let's talk about how you're giving back. I know that that's also important to you and certainly as a veteran, we always care about our own. Share with me what you're doing to give back.
1: So from day one, when I started the business, you know, with me and my husband, I wanted to give back and be socially responsible. I think that's important to be able to give back in the community in which you operate. So I, I said from the beginning, you know, no matter what we do, we're going to give back to veterans in some shape or form. So we started out, we had a cookbook. So we sold the cookbook, um, just a book with, you know, recipes using our sauces um, made by local chefs and chefs around the country, friends, family, and customers. And so we gave the profits to the local homeless authority because they were working on like a tiny home village to build units for homeless veterans. Um, So using those funds, you know, we gave money to help with building tiny homes, not just here, but in other places around the country. We've um, assisted other organizations that help homeless veterans with food, personal care items, water, clothing, just different things to kind of help those who are struggling with homelessness to kind of get get back on their feet and to make what they're going through a little bit easier. And we also team with Savannah State University, we help the students in the business program there to actually create a business. So they're running a business and they're selling a sauce called the Tiger's Awesome Sauce. And the students run the business, so they're getting real-world experience in running this business. And profits from the sale of the sauce go to help students with microloans when they're ready to start their own businesses.
0: Oh, look at that. Raising the next generation <laughs> with the hands on experience and helping them come up and do something cool.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yes.
0: Well, good stuff all the way around from, uh, you know, giving back with the tiny homes for big heroes to helping the young ones come up through Savannah State University. Savannah Sauce Company. Uh, if I don't have it at my Whole Foods in my neck of the woods, where can I find more online?
1: You can find us at uh, savannasaucecompany.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And then also the Savannah State University sauce is the Tiger's Awesome Sauce. And they can be found at tigercomarket.com.
0: Right on. Savannah Sauce Company. Uh, Probably the biggest question I'll save for last. Um, Do you recommend working with your husband? I don't know if my wife would want to do that with me. I just...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, wow. Wow.
0: Yes. And that's where we'll leave it for this week. You can find this episode as well as many more at ConnectingVets.com. I'm Phil Briggs, and I'll talk to you again next week when CBS Eye on Veterans returns.
3: This Veterans Day, join UMGC in thanking those who have served our country. Share your message of thanks by using the hashtag #ThanksVets and read others at umgc.edu/thanksvets.
4: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today, or you can listen ad-free
0: with Wondery Plus. In Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey.
5: The Hargan women seem to have it all.
1: We were blessed. My mom was amazing.
5: But detectives would soon discover inside the house there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just
1: praying to God, this is a sick
5: joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker. The Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, The Hargan Family Killings, starting May 8th, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes Podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news, and culture maker interviews, and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondry Plus.